Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Appalachian State 
But, uh, you know, I'm glad to be back in the booth. You got a little shaky out there, man. What was it like? <laughs> what was it like? Yeah, oh, <laughs> my, my, my Heisman hopeful just went down the drain. It was the mm. stadium got quiet, and Akron had a, you know, it's the big house, but Akron had like a, a small corner room in the big house, and they, they tried to take over the noise. Uh, it was an incredible feeling, man. Look at a lot of people's faces, and I'm just about to throw my Wisconsin hat off. <laughs> I mean, Akron came in the big house. Akron came in the big oh, house like Django. They came in saying, we going to take over. I mean, they got some incredible – they got some transfers who played well. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, it's – the Michigan offense just did not look good. And, you know, it just – they uh, they got to do some, they got some changes to make, but it's a good scare to have early, so they're gonna have to right the ship here. But uh, Akron played tough. Man, the boys in blue is good for that. Every couple of years, man, they gonna let a, a, a mid major or an FCS yeah. Division One Double A, as we used to call it back in the day, come in and, and give them a little shock therapy. Um, at least the coach, as a coach, you like those kind of games because now you got your boys' attention. And you can you can kind of say, hey, look, man, you ain't as hot as you thought you were. Now, now you either gonna listen or you gonna get knocked off. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Michigan, Michigan look like the Miracon of uh, of football, of college football. You know, I was telling you, but, but you get knocked out at any minute. <laughs> Got a glass jaw. <laughs> yeah, just can't stay away from the mix-ups. You're getting in the way, exposing that jaw. You know, just can't yeah. just stick and move and leave the jab. Yeah, they they the mere kind of college football. Yeah. So let me bring in last but not least, my man that rounds out the door, completes the triangle, get the triangle offense going. My man, one hundred grand. PhD. How you doing? Hey, what's happening, fellas? Uh happy to be with you all. A couple of big announcements. First of all, um I actually lost uh a week in my fantasy football. First time in like, man, uh, I had a 16 and 0 streak going, uh, dating back to last last uh, season. Yeah. So I actually dropped one. Uh, big surprise there. And then I got the game changer coming up this week. So oh yeah, well, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I just noticed that this morning. You know, I was getting yeah, my morning coffee. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, oh, huh. We might have to spend a little bit of time with that tonight if we have time. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. We'll get to that. Get to that trash talk. Trash talk. That's how we do. You know how it goes. So good, baby, baby. So we have a slamming show for you all tonight, as we always do. Uh, before we get into get get the action going, we got to go into a segment we call the intro to let you know. That's where we give you a quick rundown of everything that we do have in store for you. Um, everything we're going to try and touch on and get to. Uh, first off, we have an interview with Teron Briggs um, from Boxing.com. So Teron is going to be joining us tonight to talk about Mayweather, Alvarez, and the aftermath of such. And in case y'all want to get at Teron, uh, my man, Pete Canelo, um, y'all need to hit him up on his Twitter, uh, at Teron Briggs. So make sure you get at him and, and, and let him know uh, 2020, you know, use that 2020 vision and and get him, get at him a little bit. Give him a little bit of grief for picking Canelo. I learned my lesson. I'm not going against. I'm not going against Floyd ever again. 
During the funky editorial, <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> During the funky editorial, uh, we're going to talk about some of the young gun QBs. Not the ones you always hear about, though. Not RG3, not Luck, not Russell Wilson, not Kaepernick. We're going to talk about some of the other young guns, the Daltons, the Cam Newtons, the Tannehills, Sam Bradfords, and why are these guys left out of the conversation, and what do they need to do to get into that conversation as one of the new young gun QBs. We're going to give you a full and complete breakdown of week two in the NFL. We're going to recap the games we picked last week, uh, pick some new ones. Uh, we're going to give you our new information from week two and impressive performance of week two. Uh, we're also going to hit you off with some NCAA football talk, recapping the games we picked last week, and give you the new games we're going to pick this week. So that's what we have in store for you tonight. Again, 90 minutes of funk, real sports guy style. You listen to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG. Renegade Radio. I'm going to pass it off to my man, D. Wills, and he's going to get us going tonight. Well, you know, Saturday night was the mega fight. It felt like old school. It felt like, you know, Thomas the Hitman Hearns was in the building. Sugar Ray was in the building. Hagler was in the building. It had that kind of electricity. Tyson was in the <laughs> building. And last week we had, you know, the great Doug Fisher, and this week we had the great Ron Briggs from Boxing.com. The column, The Week That Was. you got to follow him on Twitter at Teron Briggs, uh, who is he's incredible. He always He's talking about a little bit of everything, but tonight we're going to talk boxing. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, fellas. Thank you for having me on. It's well, always always a pleasure. It's, it's good you're on with Devon, and we're going we to go into this real deep. Now, before we get to, to why you... Uh, had uh, uh, Canelo on. As I said before, we had Doug Fisher on, and he also, I don't know, what's up? Y'all boxing, because y'all closer to sport than I am, so there was something that told y'all Canelo was going to be the one to, to win. But one of the things, to win the fight in terms of predictions, um, but one of the things that I think uh, Doug said, and I want to get your opinion on this, uh, last week was it was one of these situations where, you know, you take a test, your first answer is always right. So his first prediction was, Mayweather, and he gave a reason. He said Mayweather does something to make people fight in a way that they don't never fight their, their normal fight. And so he gave examples of, you know, um, of De La Hoya is, you know, is this kind of boxer then wanted to become a brawler. Uh, he gave examples of other fighters just kind of fighting, uh, you know, outside their character and what got them there. Is that what we saw Saturday night uh, or – did Canelo still stay in there? How did he disarm someone who we, I think everybody agrees is, is probably the future of boxing? Well, yeah, no. Uh, well, Doug Fisher, he's one of the uh, one of the best writers uh, to cover the sport, and um, and he has it he has it right on. I mean, what Floyd is able to do is that his defensive acumen is just so good that he takes fighters out of their game plan. He makes their offense ineffective. Um, and and that's what, like like you were pointing out with the uh, De La Hoya thing. Um, you know, De La Hoya is, has never been a bully in the ring. Uh, you know, he's a he's a boxer puncher. But because he was getting so frustrated trying to hit, trying to land uh, shots on Floyd, he tried to bully him. And and you in some ways saw the same thing with uh, with Canelo this past weekend, where you know midway through the fight, you saw him even resort to low blows. I mean, he got so frustrated. Um, he was just 
I really think that he went into that fight with a game plan. He thought that he was going to be able to work off of his jab, um, and his jab was just not effective. Floyd's shoulder roll defense is ridiculous. I mean, I don't know how many times he has to uh, prove us boxing riders who pick against him wrong that um, that that, is, that defense is almost impenetrable, but he did it again with Canelo, and, and, and you saw that. And Canelo, to his credit, um, admitted as a admitted as much in the um in the post fight pressure where he said that I just couldn't find him, uh, even though he was standing right in front of him. <laughs> talk a little bit that, that's one of the things I noticed. Um and, and we'll talk about the scorecard uh in, in a little bit, uh which is yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> but, let, let, let's stick with the science of boxing that I think both of you and I appreciate. One of the things I think is is great about Floyd you know, I always say this about modern MCs. There's, there's, you know, they've lost the art of doing a live show. What, what the old cats understood was the live show and how to work that live show and understood the money. And there, there's just some things that vets understood that made them great in the game. In the same way in boxing, what people understand is that the game is set up and ended with your jab. And for a lot of young cats, it seems like, or just today's boxers, it seems like more people are one-dimensional. What is it about Floyd has great defense, So two things. Defense people saw was always important, and you always talk, can talk historically about great defensive fighters. But then the art of the jab, and I think Floyd works the jab in, in, in interesting ways that you don't see a lot of people do today. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you talked about Canelo not being a good jab, but Floyd was able to jab. And so what is it about, how does the jab play in, in Floyd's in fight game, this tactic? Certainly, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I saw some numbers that I don't have them off the top of my head, but in terms of the average number of jabs that um, that not only that Floyd threw but also landed, it was one of his, um, this past fight, the Canelo fight, was one of the best nights that he's had in, in recent years in terms of the effectiveness of his jab. And the great thing about Floyd besides his, you know, his talent, you know, we know about his speed, we know how gifted he is as an athlete, but just fundamentally in terms of his basic, you know, fundamentals about the sport, he is, I mean, he's, he's a genius. Uh, you know, I, I guess, I don't know if you can attribute it all to his, his, uh, his father, Floyd Sr., or his training with Roger, but in terms of fundamentals, and, and the fundamentals, you know, the most fundamental thing most fighters learn when they start boxing is how to jab. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the number one thing you, you you need to do, you know, if if you're gonna even even a fighter like Mike Tyson who had a great, you know, great power punches and a and an awesome uppercut and you know, you were seeing we remember seeing him knock out so many people, you in order to knock out a fighter, you have to especially a good fighter, you have to set it up with a jab. And and that's what Floyd was able to do. Uh, he was able to be uh really effective with his jab. Um you can do so many things with the jab. You can throw your power punches off the jab, you can use your jab to keep your other opponent off off balance, and I think that's what you saw with um with Canelo is that uh, Floyd flashes jab in his face, and then while Canelo was trying to guard or block from the jab, then you started to see, especially towards the uh, the later the mid to later rounds in the fight, you start to see Floyd throw his power punches off his jab. So you know, so he flashed that little jab and and temporarily blinded Canelo or got Canelo to sort of go to you know, block that jab, and then he he followed up that jab with a quick quick hook, whether it be a left or a right hook, that Canelo didn't even see coming. So that, that jab 
that jab was the key to the fight for Floyd. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. I'm on with Teron Briggs with boxing.com, um, also a columnist of The Week That Was. Um, definitely follow him. Follow him on Twitter at Teron Briggs. Uh, uh, you know, great boxing mind, but you'll learn a lot more. Uh, he talks about a lot of different things when on Twitter, a great follow. Um, but, you know, obviously known here for his, his, his understanding of the boxing game. Uh, when you – when you when you think about you know kind of uh, what it's going to take to beat Floyd, and, and as you heard from the game changer, you know I've been holding Floyd down for a long time. Everybody, you know, we got wise <laughs> bad at him. We got a whole bunch of it, but I think that's part of the promotion game that Floyd does. But when you think about the type of boxer that can beat Floyd, who can who can beat Floyd? You know, what does it take to beat someone like that? I think old age. <laughs> I think the more and more. You said father time. <laughs> yeah, father time. Father time is undefeated. Uh, you know, Floyd is undefeated, but father time has an even better record than Floyd. And um, But, no, seriously, um, what is it going to take? It's going to take a fighter with a really good jab. Um, and, and I think that's why a lot of people did pick, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of quote-unquote boxing experts or analysts picked Canelo because Canelo really does have a good fundamental jab um, that he works his power punches off of. Um, you, you need to have someone who is a little experienced. Um, I think that that was the one sort of red flag that a lot of people had about Canelo going into the fight. His last In his last fight um, against Austin Trout, who's a very good uh, southpaw, legitimate 154-pounder, um, junior middleweight, Canelo put on his best performance as a professional when he he earned a, uh, a unanimous decision over Trout. And that was sort of his, I think a lot of people looked at that fight and said, oh, wow, you know, he's now ready for, you know, for the big leagues. You know, he he proved that he's not just the uh, the, the freckle face, uh, you know, handsome Mexican kid with the, the, with the red hair who's got all of the women screaming. You know, he's actually a good fighter. But, you know, in hindsight, and, and not to have the, you know, in hindsight looking back on it, that was really his first legitimate test. Um, mm-hmm. You need a fighter who is prepared to to have a, a bunch of different game plans going into a fight, um, because with a lot of times, especially when you're fighting a guy like Floyd or you're fighting Floyd, that first game plan of yours, if it does work, it probably won't work for long because Floyd is one of the best um, in terms of making mid-fight adjust- adjustments. You see that with. Anytime he's had a difficult fight, you know, with the Miguel Cotto or Oscar De La Hoya, any guy who's had any sort of success against him, you'll see that by, you know, if they have success early on, by the middle rounds, Floyd's figured out what they're doing, and then he's countered, countered that. And with Canelo, he just, he didn't counter. I mean, he didn't even, he wasn't even able to be effective with his uh, his first game plan, but then he stuck to that game plan all night. He just refused whether he refused to or he didn't have another game plan, he didn't budge off of it, and he just made it that much easier for Floyd. So you're going to have to have someone who is who has a good jab, someone who's going to be able to, to make adjustments throughout the fight, someone who's going to have to fight aggressively, um, not recklessly, but aggressively in, in regards to keeping Floyd uncomfortable. I mean, that's the thing that you always see when you look at him fight. Floyd looks so comfortable in the ring. It's, it's hard to believe mm-hmm. he's in a fight in a boxing match. I mean, you see him with the shoulder roll and he's standing there, he's smiling. I mean, you know, back in the day, he used to talk to the, to the announcers while he was fighting, you know, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and, 
and that's because his opponent is his opponents have just had so much difficulty making him uncomfortable, making him have to defend himself, have to fight, have to you know, um, have to be afraid of the attack that they're bringing towards him. So that's kind of what you're gonna you're gonna need um, in a fighter, uh, you know, the sort of technique or, or type of fighter you're gonna need to beat him. Whether or not that fighter is out there, I don't know. Well, one of the things, and that's, you're making some great points. You know, one of the things, in, in, even in the uh, our pre-fight kind of predictions that we talked about, one of the things I, I talked about, you know, that, you know, it took, you know, when you watch All Access, turn down the volume and just watch what he's doing. And, and the reason why, because you made a great comment about Father Time, and normally as boxers age and get to where he's at, there's some things that wane in their preparation. You know, they're struggling to make weight. They're doing that. But the thing I've always said about Floyd is he's never out of shape. And, and he's always controlling it. You know, what is it? I mean, I know you spent some time around the game, probably around him. Why? What is it about him, given everything, if you just listen to the noise, that would it, would it would give you a sense that he's not very disciplined, right? If you paid attention to the antics, you know, normally people who got those kind of antics are are not disciplined in other aspects of life. But he, that's the one place he. What is it about him? Because we've had a lot of great fighters, but even you know fighters like Ray and folks like that fell off on that 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 kind of tenacity and preparation. What is it about him that that you've noticed that has allowed him to be that focused? Yeah, no, no, I think you made a great point, you know, even bringing up other great fighters who just haven't seemed to be quite as focused and dedicated as him. I mean, Floyd's history is, is not that unsimilar from other uh, famous fighters, for instance, like Oscar De La Hoya in, in regards to the fact that they both had fathers who um, had big aspirations from them for them as kids and brought them into the sport at a very early age. So, you know, boxing was, you know, before, as soon as Floyd knew how to walk, the next step was probably learning how to jab and how to fight. So mm-hmm. he's been doing this for, you know, he's 36, 30, it'll be 37, I think it's February um, of next year. He's been fighting since he was six or seven years old. Um, I just really think something in him that you don't really, you know, that you see with only the very top, sort of the Michael Jordans of the world, his, you know, I think it's in part, I think he loves to prove people wrong kind of similar to like a Bernard Hopkins if you were to look within a boxing room. In fact, I think Bernard is probably a great, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a great um, prototype because mm-hmm. he, he same sort of thing, you know, even though you do hear a lot about Floyd's antics, you know, you never hear about him having any sort of substance, you know, any accusations of him having substance abuse problems. You never hear about him really, you know, doing anything that would take away from his, from his lifestyle in terms of training. You know, he, he always talks hard work, dedication. That's what the the money team, you know, says. That's your little chant, mm-hmm. hard work and dedication. And, yeah, and he does a lot of crazy stuff, and, he's you know, he's flashy, he flashes his cars, and obviously he spends a ton of money on, you know, clothes and jewelry and all that stuff. But if you watch any of the all-accesses or, you know, before when he was on HBO, the, the HBO, the 24-7s, he is in the gym, even even when he's not preparing a fight. But certainly when he's preparing a fight, he is in the gym all the time. I mean, it is he he loves he loves being in great shape. He loves being able to bring his A game. I think, you know, 
I don't know if some of it is fear. I wouldn't be surprised if some of it has to do with fear about the the fear of losing sort of makes him feel like he needs to take take his game to the next level. But I'm glad you pointed that out because it is the amazing thing about him, and it's something that he doesn't really get enough credit for and just that how dedicated he is to the sport and, and, and to keeping him, his body in the best possible condition to fight. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. We're on with uh, Teron Briggs uh, of Boxing.com and also columnist of The Week That Was. Um, feel free to follow him at, at Teron Briggs uh, on Twitter. Um, in, in, incredible follow, and as you can hear, a great knowledgeable, very knowledgeable person as it relates to the boxing game. Um, what role, I mean, he, one of the things I've noticed is that's even sharper than even more. You know, obviously his uncle Roger has been um, battling diabetes and other things, and so he, now he has his father back in his corner. He definitely looked sharp in these past two fights. Um, what do you see with his father? What 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 has helped helped him in terms of the role of his father being in his corner now? Well, he gave his father a lot of credit um, after the fight. You know, he he said that he, you know, specifically um, that he thought his father developed a great game plan for him. In terms of the the difference, you know, it's not something that's really tangible. I mean, Roger has done a great job with him. You know, Roger helped lead him. His his uncle, um, Roger Mayweather, helped lead him to some of the you know, the biggest fight, the biggest victories in his career. Um, he has looked better, or arguably he's looked a little better in the last two fights. Um, that could have also something to do with the style of the, the guys that he fought. But in terms of something really tangible, to say the difference between Ford and Roger, I don't really see much. I mean, he, he, he's shown a great deal of respect for both guys. You know, he, he loves his, his uncle. We all know about his um his relationship with his uh, with his father has been much chronicled. They, you know, they were falling out. They hated each other at one point, and then they were they're they're back having a love fest. And he's, you know, he he loves being uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. You know, at one point it was there's only one Floyd Mayweather, and it's that one Floyd Mayweather ain't Floyd Mayweather Sr. But um, so yeah, so I mean, listen, Floyd Mayweather Sr. is a very good trainer, um, but so is his uncle. Mm-hmm. So I really think that you know any differences that we might see. It's very minor. I mean, at this point in his career, you could argue that uh, that Joe Joe Blow from off the street could probably train him because he knows his boxing IQ is just so high. Mm-hmm. Well, I, w- I would say that one of the things that uh, I appreciate about uh, uh, Floyd is that he been holding down the boxing game. You know, people have come and gone, and he's a he's a big ticket to the game right now. Canelo who I still believe is the future. In some ways, if I were to predict how I wanted this to play out, is actually how it played out. I think Canelo gave a great showing. He had he had spots there where he was on Floyd. He showed a little bit of it, but, you know, he also showed he's 23 years old in there with a, you know, with a vet, you know. and But he didn't leave. You didn't leave the fight thinking this kid is in the future. Even Floyd said he is. Where what's his next? Where do, where should he go next? Who do you think he'll fight? What should be his plan after this fight? Well, I think it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not he continues with his trainer. Um, his trainer is uh, Jose Reynoso, who who is a respected mm-hmm. trainer, but certainly not not someone who is on the level in terms of um, how they're viewed as, per se, like a Freddie Roach 
or mm-hmm. uh, a Virgil Hunter, who's a Andre Ward's trainer, or Nacho Berestein, who is a, a Juan Manuel Marquez's trainer. Um, so, you know, usually top fighters, unless they're being trained by, you know, their father uh, or a father figure type, usually end up with top train. Uh, you know, top fighters end up with top trainers. So I think that's going to be interesting to see will he continue with this trainer, especially with his trainer and him getting so much criticism about their game plan and the fact that they didn't change it. But his future is so bright. Uh, you know, like I was saying, there was questions about whether or not he was too green to face um, Mayweather. Whether he was or wasn't, the fact that there was so much green for him to make, I mean, they're saying that he's, you know, he's probably going to end up walking home with somewhere around $12.5 million for the fight. It makes so much sense why they, they made it happen, why why he did fight. I think it was, you know, if if he if he goes forward and if he takes a lot from this loss, it could be a great learning experience for him. Um, like you said, he's only 23 years old. He only has one loss on his record now, and that loss is to the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the sport. He's under the Golden Boy promotional banner, and Golden Boy has – a ton of fighters around his weight class. Um, there's been talk about him fighting Carlos Molina, who uh, fought on the undercard um, Saturday night, who just captured a uh, a junior middleweight junior middleweight belt. So potential there's a potential that Canelo could, in his very next fight, his return fight, he could be fighting for a title again. Um, there's also uh, Alfredo Angulo, who is a uh, who's been around the sport for for quite some time. He signed a Golden Boy. Uh, a lot of people remember him from his uh, knockdown drag out fight with James Kirkland a couple years ago, where uh, Kirkland ended up knocking him out. But um, Angulo is a is a sturdy guy, and he's a and he could be a a good test sort of comeback fight for Canelo. There's also a possibility of Victor Ortiz, um, who uh, we've last we last saw on Dancing with the uh, Stars. Um, he's <laughs> he unfortunately <laughs> has been doing more dancing than he has fighting lately, but. He is uh, he's under Golden Boy. Um, there's talk about him moving up to 154 pounds, and actually him and Canelo were supposed to fight last year, but um, uh, Victor had his jaw broken in a in a fight with uh, Josito Lopez, and he's been out uh, sidelined, injured since then. So that's always a possibility, and and there are a couple of other sort of minor guys at 154 that he can return um, to face. On the undercard, we had uh, Danny Garcia and, and Matisse, Matisse, um, which that was just, whew, that was a battle. I mean, Garcia did his thing. Um, both fighters were fighting. Uh, but obviously Garcia is uh, rising, and in, in, in Mayweather's plan is always to build him up, right? And so is, where do you see Garcia playing out in this? Even as a potential probably uh, opponent for Bayweather, but what what's your thought about? I mean, I thought it was a great card for for to be. To, to, it was a good card. It was a great card and was a great main event. Um, but that fight was a great. It was a good fight to watch. It was physical. They, they were going at each other, um, and Garcia just showed a level of maturity um, throughout that fight that I thought was incredible. So where do you put him, and how do you put him as a possible opponent for Floyd? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I thought uh, personally that that ended up being the best fight uh, on the card. And it's funny, uh, it's funny that you mentioned it, how good of a fight it was. A lot of boxing junkies, uh, you know, uh, people who follow the sport 
thoroughly. I actually thought it was going to be even better of a fight than that. So that's how high the mm-hmm. expectations were for that for that match, just because both of those guys, Danny Garcia and Lucas, he say have been in such really good matches prior to this one. Um, it was a great win for Danny Garcia. I got to say, I mean, hopefully this won't just get me disqualified from future shows, but I also picked this fight wrong too. So I had a, I had a horrible night when it came to picks because I thought Matisse um, was going to be able to stop Danny. Um, I got a chance to cover Danny's, uh, a couple of Danny's more recent fights live. I was at the Zab Judah fight at the Barclays and Danny looked pretty good, but Zab uh, was able to rough him up some. I thought, this past Saturday against Matisse, that was probably the best fight that I've, uh, the best sort of fight plan as well as the best performance that I've seen from Danny. Um, that fight was at junior welterweight, 140 pounds. Danny said at the uh, at the post fight press conference, and and it's being uh, echoed by his um, by Golden Boy, his promoter, is that he is more than likely going to move up to 147 to welterweight. Um, so that's that that looks like that's going to be the next step for him. Uh, 147 is where Floyd will probably more than likely return to. Um, you know, he fought he fought Canelo at 152 pounds for Canelo's 154 pound titles, but uh, Floyd actually weighed in at 150 pounds. He's a 147 pound fighter. That's that's the weight that he he's actually fights his best at. Though you couldn't tell that from the the performances past weekend. So mm-hmm. there's the potential, obviously, of the mega fight between Garcia and Mayweather. There's also, uh, once again, Victor Ortiz, who may or may not move up to 154 pounds. There's Adrian Broner, who's now at 147 pounds and has a title. There's potentially a rematch with Amir Khan, who is moving up to 147 pounds. He's going to be fighting at 147 pounds in the, um, in this winter. There's also, also Andre Berto, who is, uh, though he's taking some tough setbacks, he's still one of the few marquee names at 147 pounds. So for Danny Garcia, there are a lot of options for where where he could go, a lot of potentially big money and marquee matches for him. Do do you see a possible rematch between Floyd and Canelo, or, you know, Canelo got his chance, there's no real money in the rematch? Um, You know, I don't really think there is. If if he had even put up, you know, uh, um, veteran – I don't know if you'd like me calling him veteran, but veteran boxing writer Steve Kim um, uh, recently tweeted something along the lines of the fact that uh, if if Canelo had put on as good of a performance as Cotto did in his loss against Mayweather, he thought that people would be clamoring for a rematch. And and I agree with him. If even just losing enough wasn't a, just losing wasn't enough to disqualify Canelo from getting a rematch with Floyd, unfortunately for him, losing in the manner that he did in such lopsided fashion. It, it really doesn't make much of a demand. I don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you were to ask any of your friends who, you know, who might have bought the fight or, or had the opportunity to see it, do they want to see it again? Do they think that Canelo could win? Um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say most of them don't think that. So there probably isn't. Even though Canelo has such a huge following and he's, you know, even after, after this fight, probably even bigger in the sport. It's not. He's got something that's gonna have to happen before he's going to have to stop some pretty impressive foes or something in order for them to build towards a rematch, but definitely not the next fight. And and, and speaking of scoring, uh, we had, uh, I forget the name of the judge. Was it 114-114 or something like that? Or what was the, what was the score? It was a, a majority decision. So, yeah, it was a majority decision, and the judge, who's uh, it's so funny, who's uh, initials, um, her initials are C.J. 
which uh, a lot of people on Twitter have been saying stands for Can't Judge Ross. <laughs> she had the, the card 114-114, like you said, um, and she got the most ridicule uh, for for thinking that uh, somehow Canelo won only you know won six rounds. But even the other two judges, uh, Dave Moretti, he actually only had Floyd winning by four points, uh, 116-112, and then Greg. Metcalf, who had a, a, a better score in 117-111, um, you know, six-point differential, which is a lot closer. Because most most boxing riders ringside, and, and most people watching at home didn't give Canelo more than two rounds. And some some even said that they had a difficult time giving him two rounds. Uh, they thought he maybe won one or, or zero. So, like I said, C.J. Ross got a lot of uh, got a lot of ridicule for her horrible card, but the other two judges didn't do a, a lot better of a job, unfortunately. And, and in your opinion, I mean, that is what kills a moment. Like, boxing kills the moment because of that. You know, I, I still argue there's, MMA will never be able to create that kind of energy. It, it, for me, it just doesn't. It may, maybe it will over time. But there's something that boxing does to capture the moment when it's good. And then this kind of decision just it can't get out of the way of itself. Uh, <laughs> what's the solution? You know, they tried um, the the WBC, uh, the boxing organization, um, implemented in I think it's like Texas and a couple of other states have they've implemented open scoring. Um, you know, they believe that uh, that after only for championship bouts. But after the after four rounds, um, well after every fourth round, they they display the judges' scorecards. They felt like that might, uh, you know, that that the, that would hold the judges more accountable. BS. It doesn't doesn't hold the judges more accountable. Um, the only thing that we can do is do a better job of vetting the judges and and making sure that they are are truly qualified. C.J. Ross, uh, you know, not to pick on C.J. Uh, can't judge. But she actually scored the Timothy Bradley Manny Pacquiao fight yes. for Timothy Bradley. Yes. And that was a fight that most people thought that Pacquiao won eight or nine rounds. So this was, you know, this is the second time that she's got a, a high-profile marquee match, and the second time that she's turned in a horrible scorecard or a scorecard that was, you know, in opposition to what the um, the prevailing thought was. So the fact that C.J. Ross even got a second time to uh, to judge this goes to show you. So something like this, I mean, the, the Nevada Athletic Commission, where the you know the, obviously the fight was held in Las Vegas, they came out and they defended C.J. Ross after and said that oh you know that that it's uh, that you know you can't blame the judge for scoring the fight how they saw it, and it's not you know it's not an exact science. B.S. You, yeah. you don't. You, it, you don't need it to, to be an exact science. You don't need to even follow the sport to realize that Floyd Mayweather beat Canelo's butt uh, Saturday night. So we just have to do a better job of vetting these people. We have to hold it more on these athletic commissions to make sure that these these judges are trained properly and that they are they are qualified to do this uh, to do this job. That is, you know, with, like you said, not only do you potentially um, chase away your fan base. Because you know, fans. There's nothing fans hate worse than, you know, especially if it's a pay per view to go out and spend, spend their hard-earned money for a fight 
watch it for 12 rounds and then have some judge come and tell them something that obviously is wrong, you know, a, a guy won when they didn't win. So it, it kills us. It kills the sport in that regard with the fans. But it's also the worst thing for a fighter. I mean, imagine if Floyd, for all his hard work, had somehow gotten a majority decision. I mean, had gotten not even a majority decision, but had been given a draw or even somehow lost that fight. After after all that hard work, that would have been, I mean, a slap in the face for these guys who get in a ring and risk their lives and their health to fight. The least we owe them is to give to be able to give them fair judging. This is why we have him on, folks. Teron Briggs, get him at Teron Briggs uh, on Twitter. Uh, read his column, The Week That Was, boxing.com. He's straight fire tonight. Fam, thanks for being here. We enjoy. We're gonna, you know, there's a lot of fights coming up. We want to get you back in the mix. Uh, but we're going to keep going back and forth with you on Twitter. But thank you again for being with us tonight. And uh, it, it's just a pleasure to have you and, and look forward to talking to you soon. Definitely. I appreciate it, man. You guys keep up the good work, man. It's always uh, I enjoy being here, and uh, I look forward to coming back. Best of luck, and uh, I'll definitely be tuning in for the rest of the night to hear uh, hear some good stuff, man. All right, now. That's right there. Teron Briggs from Boxing.com, a columnist for uh, the uh, the week that was. And let's give him a little, you know, love from the from the folks here that we have. The studio audience. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We trying to keep it going. Game changer. There were some good ones. Now, I have to commend you. See, this is what I love about my guy. He said, when he gets new evidence, new data, that data, <laughs> he had to come around. What was your thought? You got to change your thing. <laughs> That's a liberal education. Hey, man, this, uh, this, this radio show thing is starting to pay off for it, brother. Man, I sounded real smart when I dropped one of Doug's lines about how uh, – Floyd makes other fighters fight like him. You know, he makes them switch up their style. Everybody, everybody in the room was like, "Oh man, this dude know what he's talking about." <laughs> well, I do talk to some of the most, you know, most insightful boxing writers ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got Deron Briggs and Doug Fisher coming through. So, you know, that's the kind of insight you get when you listen to the real sport guys. RSG, man, that's how we bring it. So I dropped that line. Uh, Teron was killing you, though, man, you know. He, he, oh, he hit it on the head, though. His father time is undefeated, and that's really the only cat that can do anything with Floyd at this point, man. I was watching the fight, and I'm like, this guy is a boxing genius. You know, when you see people who are just, they operate on a different level, not just from a skill perspective, but from a competitive perspective, like he—that's right—he competes. Uh, competing is an art for him, and as 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 it was for Mike, you know, mm-hmm. it was there was an art to how they competed, when to go mm-hmm. hard, when to pull back, when to force your opponent to go against himself. You know that whole Sun Tzu art of war type stuff, and those dudes mm-hmm. are geniuses at that, and. That's what you saw with Floyd. He just dissected the dude. And the bad thing about watching Floyd, man, is he makes he make you think you can fight. <laughs> so, man, this dude make it look so easy. All you got to do is get your shoulder up. Like, you got to get that shoulder across your chin like he do, man. Can't wait hit you. You know, he makes it look so effortless, so smooth, and so easy that, you know, I'm sitting there and like, man, man, if I got in shape, man, I think I could take some of these dudes, man. I got a little Floyd, man. Get a little Floyd going. You know what I'm saying? But it don't work like that, and I'm smarter than that, and I know better. So, 
But uh, and, this and, goes and, out. This Go this right here, this right here goes out to um, CJ Ross. Cause I'm glad y'all talked about her. Um, I just want to drop this for her. You smoke crack, don't you? You smoke crack, don't you? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I, when it happened, I had the same reaction as Floyd, and everybody at my fight party had the same reaction as Floyd. What are you thinking? <laughs> A draw? Man. I mean, T.J. Ross, oh, she must have thought the iceberg, she must have thought the Titanic whooped that iceberg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what is you watching? What is you watching? You're not watching the same thing we're watching. You know. No, you're you not watching. You, you hear the right here. You're not watching. I'm like, is, are you kidding me? I had a 118-111. I'm like, are you why, are you kidding me? I, I said, you know, somebody should be investigated. Is the FBI here? Somebody getting arrested tonight? What's going on? <laughs> Somebody's stealing. Somebody's stealing. Oh, it just brought the whole event down. It brought it down. Yeah, yeah so, man. But what? Yeah, I, I, the thing that, that I love about it that I want to hear here quickly and how you look at it is this whole notion of actions versus words. You know, I kind of do it like that. You know, that people don't pay attention to is, like, the action, right? Like, how does he approach his craft? And we strip away all the other stuff. We're just looking at the boxing. We just look at his, either whether or not he's in shape or not. How does he approach the craft? And yeah. nobody is more focused and disciplined than Floyd. Well, you strip away all the other stuff. That's more of a smoke screen. Right. Right. You know, for all the other stuff he really doing. You know, just even when he trains at the time he trains and how he you know and I love the line he said he said I know and he you know he got intel, he said, I know you've been in that he said we said, I know you've been in that bag in that suit. So I'm gonna eat pizza tonight. <laughs> 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 he is getting messages out there at this stuff living up. You know what I'm saying? See, that's that art of war. Like, that's that art of war, man. That's that art of war. That's that art of war. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about you in them. I heard about you. Now, he probably sitting in that suit looking around the room like there's a camera. I know the young boy's doing it. Put his hat on back. <laughs> it's like, who's snitching? Who's snitching? Who's snitching? Oh, you know, checking people's pockets, you know? Because he he up and he pizza looking in the camera like I know you I, I know you in that bag I heard you in that bag like nobody else in the bag but nobody in the room but y'all three know about this you snitched you know he feeling like the wire he like the wire on his people and now I'm like I don't talk to anybody you know he's like on the couch <laughs> you know like the line oh yeah I, I can't ruin it for uh, Phil but you know the wire where the guy was telling your boy how he could find. How he can find uh, folks that might have been in the stash, you know. That's right. probably what he's right. about to do is figure out who who gets paid, you know. So, right. yeah. But that whole thing, I love that. That that to me is what people miss when they look at Floyd. Yeah, man. Human beings are attracted to shiny objects, man. And sometimes we miss the substance that that you know that, that creates the diamond. You know, the pressure that creates that diamond, man. And that's that's one reason that I've really flipped on Floyd is that, you know, this guy 
part of his whole thing is is and again it's that whole art of war with him is that he he creates a frenzy a persona he gets into the head of his opponent in a way that a lot of other cats don't really go that route you know they just try to beat you straight up in a competitive bout and he he takes it to a whole other level i mean he just He's he's an unbelievable competitor, man. He's an unbelievable competitor. And, you know, he's got that curse that Mike talks about, you know, that curse of just not being able to lose. And, you know, he's taking it to another level where not only does he not, is he afraid to lose, you know, he doesn't know how to lose. You know, I just don't think, I just don't think he knows how to lose, man. And he just broke old boy down, man. And Canelo, Canelo did what he could, man, but it was, it was a PhD going against an undergrad. You know, yeah. it, it was it was nasty. It was nasty. PhD, what were your thoughts on the fight before we wrap up this conversation? You know, fellas, I uh, I sent you guys a text the night of the fight, um, and I'll share it with the listeners. Um, I said we are lucky to live in the generation we have witnessed Tiger. Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, Michael Phelps, and Floyd Merriweather Jr., among others. Uh, This dude has elevated himself to an all-time great in boxing, and and I'm not quite sure if we um, are aware of what we're watching. When MJ was doing his thing, winning them six championships, I think at a certain level we recognized what we were seeing. Um, and it wasn't, but but Floyd is a little bit different. I think we're starting to begrudgingly recognize what we see him because we waiting to see this cat fall. We waiting to see him lose, and every time he does it, it's like he's just taking more credit, like he's taking more respect from us. Um, and so I've just gotten to the point where I'm just gonna start to enjoy it, and I got to this point. Saturday night after I predicted he was going to lose. Um, so so essentially, man, Floyd, I mean, he is just so skilled in uh, it, how he methodically took, like, just schooled this kid, man. Um, you know, like Teron mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm on the app that uh, Devon put me on um, trying to – uh, fight card app, you know, I'm I'm trying to score each round. And like Teron said, I'm having a hard time giving Canelo a round. You know, I end up giving him two or three because, you know, but it was really a toss-up. I mean, Floyd is just, uh, I'm at a loss of words, man. But all I can say is, is I really respect this guy, and I put him in that higher pantheon um, of athletes that we've had a pleasure to watch that have that have really been trailblazers and just giants in their particular sports. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm let the PAZ put a bow on that thought because I think he, he sums it up perfectly with everything he said about Floyd. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, Real Real Sports Guys dot com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're gonna transition and get into our full and complete breakdown of Week Two. NFL action. Uh, we're going to recap the game that we picked last week. Uh, first up in our recap, but before we get into the recap, I want to give the records. All right? I definitely want to get into these records. <laughs> the guys are only about the records. 
So I'm going to get into the records. So we picked six games total last week, four NFL, two college. We'll do the same this week. Uh, last week, PhD, very solid week. My man went four and two. The only two games he had wrong, he had Washington over Green Bay. That didn't happen. And he had the Giants over Denver. That didn't happen. But he scored flying colors on the rest of the games last week. My man, D. Wills, 5-1 and one last week. Way to go, D. Wills. They That's had right. all the games right except he swung and missed on A&M versus Bama. He picked A&M. He went with man. He was drinking that Manziel juice. <laughs> Right. right, he had that sling shot. He had that David. Yeah, he had he that David sling shot going. Yep. He, yeah, he picked the sling shot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell David next time to get a nine millimeter. <laughs> Game changer. Six and zero, oh, baby. Six and zero. Oh. Six and zero, oh, baby. <laughs> so, so now I understand, Devon. Now I understand why he was so gun ho to get these records out. <laughs> Okay, you know, before he like, before like, uh, the dog ate my homework. <laughs> we couldn't get the records the first three weeks. <laughs> the dog ate my homework. Sorry about that. Oh man, I got a crowd going. Get the crowd going, baby. Yeah, man, six and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh. You know how it goes. Wow, winning. That's how you perceive it. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm clowning. 6-0 last week. So let's get into the games, all right? Let's get into the games. So first game we got, we got the Washington Redskins at Green Bay. Now, I want to take the first crack at this one. I watched this game pretty much from the beginning to the end, flipping back and forth between this game and the Eagles and Chargers because I had some players on the Eagles squad. Um, you know, I got my Mike Big watch. I got to make sure he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> so I have to watch any time the Eagles are on because I, I got to know when he gets hurt so I can drop him real fast and get somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to put that trade out there. In watching this game, and what I want to say, and I want to put this out there to all sports fans, and particularly my Chicago Bulls fans, all season basketball season, not basketball season yet, but I want to make a correlation. All basketball season, basketball fans, particularly Chicago Bulls fans, uh, derided Derrick Rose for taking his time coming back. And I said, let the boy relax, let the boy get his game together, let the boy come back when he's gonna, when he's ready when he's mentally ready, because he's a player who his game is more uber-elite athleticism than it is uber-elite skill. And I think it's the same thing you're seeing with RG3 now. This is a guy, he's special because of his athletic ability. Because he doesn't fully have all of that at his faculties right now, he doesn't look like the same guy. Now, there's no need to panic, and ESPN, shame on you, for putting out this whole shit RG3, for even entertaining this whole RG3 should be benched talk. That's just dumb. That's just silly talk. That's dunce cap, back in the classroom, idiot talk. Stop it. You're not benching the dude. They shouldn't bench the dude. He's got to get back where he was. He's not going to be back to where he was, but he's going to get there eventually. Simply give it time, all right? Give it time, he'll get there. But that's the whole thing with guys like that who are more, their athleticism is their probably greatest skill or gift. Gift, when they have an injury like this and they come back too soon before they totally recapture all of that, then you see this. And now there's that pressure. And this is why Derrick Rose sat, because when he came back, if he would have come back, people would going to expect old Derrick Rose, just like it's irrational to expect old RG3. 
pre-injury RG3. It's just irrational to expect that. But people still do it because he's not that. They're talking about sitting him. Ridiculous. So all you folks that wanted Derrick Rose coming back early, look at the backlash RG3 is dealing with. Derrick Rose saved himself a headache of hearing people talk about he needs to be benched or he's not the same player. But of course he's not. I mean, that, that, that just bugged me all week, and I just want to throw that out there. You guys can talk about the rest of the game. But I just wanted to address that issue around RG3 real quick. So, B. Wills, did you catch this game? What did you think of how the game played out? I caught some of this. Part of it is what I can say, and this is why I predict, you know, Green Bay win last week. I think it was one of the five that I won. Uh, is because, you know, exposed. You know, and part of it is, you know, Washington is – RG3 was a very important part of the running game. You know, they had a great running game last year, but RG3, RG3 made a difference for the running game for the other running backs. And so, you know, they were able to play off of that. Right now, they're not, they don't have anybody on their heels going into Green Bay, which is a tough place to play. Um, and a, a Green Bay team that had a tough loss against the 49ers, but what I was most impressed about is they met this kind of they they met the the physical play demand in a way that they I felt like they shrunk last year. So I thought that was something they could build on defensively and, and really get after him. Um and then Aaron Rodgers is just one of the best in the game. So I, it's overmatched. It was you know, in a football version it was like Mayweather against Canelo. You know, nice young talented group, just outmatched, outclassed. As y'all know, I, I, I don't trust the coach. Now, y'all know that. Y'all know that. Um, y'all know I've just been that over years. And I just don't know what to make of their relationship. Um, and in some ways, I'm not. it's not criticism of RG3, but in some ways, I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't feel like he's always genuine. So I don't know who's genuine in that relationship. Um, they, they, a lot of them, they, they both seem like they reality stars. You know, they're they doing something for the media. Uh, Shanahan has got his thing. It just they both just seem off, and so uh, and, and, it, and it's playing out on the field. There's no real personality. Um, he's not. They're not running any kind of run plays for him, like design runs, which I can understand. Um, I just don't see the diversity in the, in the play calling. And against a team like Green Bay, you're just not going to beat them that way in Green Bay. So I, I thought about the word for what I saw is exposed. Can they bounce back? They're at a dangerous point right now. They can go either way. And a lot of it's because RG3 has kind of been a volatile person in this. He's reacted a lot of different ways. Um, They can go either way. Yeah. I I agree. And it's just – but I think that's expected. Again, I'm I'm trying to bring some levity to this whole situation, and I think that – there's, there's some. You got to think. His first two games, he's played of live action in a long time, and I just think people are overreacting and going a little too far. And I agree. I'm, I'm a little gun shy about the whole his whole persona and the whole situation with him and Shanahan. But again, I think people just need to chill for a second and, and let 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 him settle in. And this is where guys, I, I think guys should just take their time and come back when they're ready, and not when people pressure them to. Because the minute you come back and you don't look the same. 
those same people that were saying, you need to be out there, you're going to get out there, you're going to do your thing, I then like, well, you don't look like you're doing your thing and something's wrong and, you know, flipping the, flipping the script on you. What impression of this game do you have? Uh, go ahead. Let me, ask some real, let me ask something real quick on that. But the, the case of this is, in the case you're describing, it felt like the fans in the organization. This organization actually was doing what should have happened with Derrick Rose. They were back in, let's delay it. And he was the one pushing it. So I think Shanahan has been very cautious, playing close to the vest. They wanted to be slow about it. But RG3 has been the one that's been pushing it out in the limelight, which was different than, I think, other situations we've seen. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, THC, you have any questions of uh, this? Because uh, you picked the Redskins um, in this particular bout. You have any impressions of of how the game went and, and turning points or anything like that that you saw in this particular game? Um, not really. I mean, I think Devon covered it well. The one thing I will add is I think that we are um, reacting too much and too fast on RG three. You know, yeah. I've been listening to the media over the last four days, and and you know, cats are breaking down his throwing motion and. You know, saying he's not being aggressive enough, and I tell you what, had half those passes that were incomplete were complete, and if he had additional two touchdowns and they won, we're not talking about his throwing motion. We're not talking about uh, what he's not doing, um, and so I think at the end of the day, winning will solve a lot of this, and you know, I attribute it more to just rust and and just losing. Period. And so I'm going to check back in in RG3 at week eight. At that right. point, I think I'll have more of a robust analysis. How dare you be principal, PAC? How dare you be rational? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you not be knee-jerk schizophrenic? <laughs> As the mainstream is, man, it just drives me bonkers, dog. And you know how I am about that, man. It just drives Just be consistent. Be consistent with your takes. You know, stand on a few principles and roll with that. Uh, I would have transitioned into talking about Manning Bowl 3, Denver, the Denver Broncos versus the New York Giants. Denver laid it on New York. Um, when are they going to start talking about Coughlin getting fired? <laughs> Aren't we about to <laughs> T minus what? What are we at? T minus how many seconds till we start talking about Coughlin getting fired after another 0 and 3 start, and then the Giants reel off eight straight games and go to the playoffs, uh, a six seed or something like that, and make a run to the Super Bowl. Doesn't this happen very often, fellas? Haven't we seen this story before? Don't we know how this book ends, or is this going to be different this year? PhD, what do you think? You know, the one thing that scares me is a running game. Even with Eli being as inconsistent as he's as you know he can be during the regular season, they typically have always had a running game to to kind of you know come back to. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul is one thing when he's injured throughout the season. Um, it's one thing when you have an OC there to fill in. Um, I think because of free agency and some really tough personnel decisions they had to make because they just couldn't afford everybody. I mean, I almost look at it as what happened in Oklahoma City when they had to, you know, make a move to get rid of James Harden because due to the salary cap, they just couldn't keep all these young players who were, you know, coming up on their second contract, and you got to pay these guys. So I think the downside of that is they're they're much thinner 
They're much thinner on defense. And, you know, <laughs> Eli has always been very inconsistent, but he's always had that defense there to make to make plays for them and that, and that running game to lean on. And so I'm actually kind of got a toe in the water with the whole foot out in terms of uh, the Giants. I don't want to slam the door on them completely yet, but they just don't have that foundation that they normally have to make me feel more confident that they'll get it back together. Yeah, yeah, excellent analysis. D. Will, on the flip side of this coin, the Broncos look pretty tough. Um, Manning did his thing. Julius Thomas looks like a find. Um, you know, another basketball player converted tight end. You know, man, I wish a Henry Grant was around right now, man. I mean, <laughs> can I, I, I would have been his agent, man, and try to broker some deals for the great Henry Grant, man, powerful what I played with in college, man, prototypical Power forward, college power forward, turn tight end type cat, man. I think he could have made some noise yep. if it had been if he had been a few years uh, younger, um, in, in a different time frame post Antonio Gates. Um, I digress though. Uh, what were your perceptions of the Denver Broncos and uh, how good they look right now, if you will? Well, I mean, it's balance. I mean, you know, Manning uh, in terms of you know defense and offense, you know, everybody's coming up to play, uh, but he had 307 yards, two TDs. Um, they had, you know, nine, uh, Moreno had 93 yards rushing, two, D, uh, two TDs. Um, you know, he talked about Thomas, you know, 47 yards. So, on offense, you got multiple weapons, and that's the way Manning, he's orchestrating it. The defense is giving him enough, and think about it. I mean, they're doing it without Chad Bailey. Um, they're doing it without, you know, their number one uh, defensive player as well. So they're, you know, they're they're, um, and you know, I just felt like, you know, and, and Manning. I was going to say this last week when we talked about this. You know, Manning is the best regular season quarterback ever. Not a slight, but he is. And so the bet, the bet, the bet against the best regular season quarterback ever. It, 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 it is a slight. <laughs> 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 That's one of those backhanded compliments. <laughs> the, 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 the truth is the truth, uh, you know. Um, but like you, the richest dude in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you the coolest friend I got with me right now. <laughs> Denver is ready to go. I'm gonna say this. You know, Denver's gonna be judged by what they do in the postseason. You know, this is a 13 win team we're looking at, and they went on a road. And one of the things I think Manny understands is that a real test of a team is your ability to win on the road. They're going to hold home serve. I'd be surprised, you know, if they lose one game at home. But it's what they do on the road is I think it's going to make them stronger as they start to move towards the playoffs in terms of just building that kind of mental. But they're a machine. Uh, they're a much different place. And, you know, Coughlin, you know, you know, Coughlin is the modern or the the new day Bill Collar. If you're smart, he'll figure out got to get back. You know, <laughs> ride this year with him. The running game, I'm agree with Phil, is terrible. And Manning, uh, you know, uh, Eli Manning needs needs a running game more so than his brother. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. So what a transition. I'm, I'm gonna let you pick this up first, D. Wills. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Um, Steelers are 0 2 coming into Chicago this week. Oh, are we looking at 0 3? 
it was fun to watch, man. It was fun to watch because I could just see Sherman. Like, we've all been in a situation, you know, we're in the huddle, and, you know, say you're at an AAU tournament, and you see a cat just clowning everybody, and you just go up to coach like, listen, I want this to do the next game. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to give you the 10 or 15 I normally give you, but guess what? This cat will not get 30 on us. And that's essentially what Richard Sherman did, man. I mean, he just shut this yeah. cat down, and it was like yep. he was in the zone. And it was fun to watch, man. It really was. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, observation I had thinking about that whole 12th man and the impact of the stadium noise in Seattle and thinking about the kind of teams that had success in last season's playoff, uh, playoffs, they were all teams that didn't depend on a lot of at-the-line-of-scrimmage adjustments and trickery and, you know, switching up the plays and calling different routes. And those styles play well on the road in playoff games, and that's why you have a guy like Flacco be able to get his team to the Super Bowl because they're not asking him to come to the line of scrimmage and make a bunch of reads and adjustments and, and get him in and out of plays. That style you know, of coming to the line, that whole Peyton Manning style. Maybe that's why Peyton Manning hasn't had the success that you think he would have as a postseason quarterback, going back to D. Will's point, is because the crowd noise in some of these stadiums gets to the point where your guys can't really hear you. You can't come to the line and do all that. And it looked like San Francisco was having a lot of trouble being able to make those at-the-line-of-scrimmage adjustments and it really bogged down their whole offense. I mean, you talked about, you know, Bolden going for 50 and then coming back and going for three. Kaepernick, you know, went for 35 and, and had 10 dimes. And then he comes back against Seattle and gets you 10 points and one assist. You know, and, and so I think that crowd noise is going. It's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out, but that's just something I noticed and as I was reflecting on the game and the impact of that crowd noise, and then thinking about how the teams, what kind of teams were successful last year, the San Franciscos, because they depend on their running game. Now, I think this year they're giving Cap a little bit more freedom at the line of scrimmage because he's got some games under his belt. He's got a training camp as a starter under his belt. So he's coming to the line and making a little bit more adjustments. But last year it was really he came up, they had a play for him, he ran a play, they called it. It was usually a run or some sort of read option type deal, and they rolled with that. And I think this year they've made some adjustments. And that noise, I think, I think it hampered it a little bit. I won't say it totally wiped it out, but I think it hampered it a little bit. So those were our games from last week. Again, Phil T went 4-2. D. Wills went 5-1. I went 6-0 and oh with our pick from last week. We're going to jump right <laughs> into our pick em. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throwing it out there. All right. We're going to jump right into our pick em for week three. We have four NFL games, and we got uh, two NCAA football games. Now, our NFL games this week, we got Kansas City, which is 2-0 right now, going into Philadelphia. So a rematch. You got, well, not even a rematch, not even, but a return home. All right, it was like return of the Jedi. You got Andy Reid going back home to Philly. What kind of reception do you think Reed is going to get, fellas? D-Wheels, what kind of reception do you think Reed is going to get when he comes into Philly? Is it going to be warm, or is it going to be Philly being Philly? I think it's going to be Philly being Philly. I, I think it's going to be <laughs> – you know, this is a place to uh, beat up Santa. 
Um, and, you know, they, they, they were ready for him to go. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be Philly being Philly right now. I think it's the second time he comes back that they, they give him the love. Uh, that, that's my that's my thing. I think uh, they got a new sheriff in town, and I think the fans are going to try and support him. Okay. PhD, we talked about this a little bit last week. Are you still on or off with Chip Kelly's offense? I'm still on. I'm still on. Okay. I figure you, you're consistent. You're consistent. You're not knee jerk cat. You know, your ACLs are intact. So, you know, knee <laughs> jerk cat, your ACLs are all out of whack. <laughs> I figured you would be. I, again, it's just interesting to see how the media sways and goes back and forth. Again, what I said last week, I still stand by. Uh, sustainability kind of is it, it, sticking in the back of my mind how sustainable it is. Um, yeah, because it, it, I mean, they won. They lost 33-30. to 30. Now, had they won 30-27, yeah. to 27, everybody would be for it. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. I'm still saying that. I'm saying they won the week before, and I said the same thing. I'm saying the same this week. I still got concerns about sustainability. I need to see it over a period of time before I can make a true judgment on what it is and what it will be and how revolutionary it is. Um so that's one game we're gonna pick. I'm gonna give the fellas a chance to uh, chew on that one, and then we'll come back and we'll pick all the, and we'll you know pick all the games. Then we got Indy at San Francisco. Uh, Andrew Luck going back to the Bay Area, the Yay Area, uh, where he held it down in Palo Alto for a couple of seasons uh, as a Stanford quarterback. He's he's kind of kind of a little bit of a homecoming for him. But Kaepernick is looking to uh, something to prove in the matchup of two. Another matchup, you know, Kaepernick's got back-to-back matchups with these quote-unquote young guns. He took on Russell Wilson, lost. I think he's going to lick his wounds, and, and he's looking to come back against Indy. So that's the game we're going to pick. We got Buffalo going against New York, the New York Jets, J-E-T-E-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, so Buffalo at the Jets, we got a battle of the rookie quarterbacks who are starting this year. We got uh, E.J. Manuel, who looks real good. D. Wills, I know you're gonna pack yourself on the back. All right, I'll patch right. you for you. on your. I'll patch you for you. All right, you you got a little pat, 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 and take that. All right, and then we got Geno Smith and the Jets, who have actually been surprisingly way more competitive than I thought they would be. Uh, way more. <laughs> it's still they're still not fun to watch, and they should never be put on Thursday Night Football again <laughs> until they get it together. But they uh they're being competitive. Then we got the New York Giants at uh, Carolina. Both of these teams are at 0-2 right now. Will the Giants go 0-3 or will Carolina go 0-3? I think this is a I, I think this is a tipping point for Cam. Um, you know, again, he's on the outside of that conversation right now when they're talking about young guns. He's not really being brought up anymore, and I think we have to start to reassess where Cam is and his growth as far as that process of staying ahead of the scouting report. I think. Cam may have called behind it, so we go. So let's pick those real quick. D. Wills, who you got? Casey Philly. Wow, this is a tough one, man. And uh, I'm not even off. I think I'm gonna go with Casey. I think Casey is more balanced um, than Philly. Um, and uh, but I, I love the Philly offense. I just think the Philly defense they they, they can't stop a cold. And uh, that's the problem. And, and I just think that that uh, that uh, that um, that Casey's balance defensively and all is going to win. It'll be a close one. 
Um, it'll be some scoring. I just think KC might nip them. I'm taking a chance on that one. And I love Philly, but I'm taking a chance on that one. Okay. PhD, KC Philly, who you got? I'm going with Kansas City. I I like what they've been doing on the defensive end, and I think uh, every game that Alex Smith plays in this new offense, the better he'll become. So I I think it's close, but I'm going to go with Kansas City on the road. Okay. Um, I'm going with Philly. I think this week uh, we're really going to see a good picture of what this Chip Kelly offense can be, can look like. They're going to be at home. Um, I think he's going to want to show the home crowd a little something-something. So I'm going with Philly in this one. I think we'll finally get to see it. We saw a little bit of it in week one, in the first half. Week two, kind of struggled a little bit. I think Kelly's going to come back, and it's going to, it's going to be firing on all cylinders this week. And then it's going to, you know, the league is going to come, and the next team is going to come back and kind of bring that down a little bit. But I think this third game you're going to see a big jump in what this offense can do um, in Philly. Indy San Fran, PhD, who you got? Who? Yeah, I I really had a tough one, uh, a, a tough time trying to figure this one out. But I'm gonna go with San Francisco because they're at home, and and I think they're due to really really rebound. Although Indy Indy, uh, I like Indy a lot more at home. They seem to play a lot more consistent last year with home. Uh, at home, perhaps that'll even out having a second year underneath their belt with that with, with the same crew together. But I'm gonna go with San Francisco at home. Okay, I'm also taking San Fran at home um, for many of the reasons that PhD stated. D. Will, who you got? India, San Fran. Uh, uh, San Fran, blame it on Sherman. Hardball <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Harbaugh>, man, <laughs> India, you know they're alive. Oh man, blame it on Sherman. Right, right. <laughs> okay, okay. And this this game was tough to pick. This is Buffalo, New York. <laughs> I'll go first on this one. Um, Ballard, two rookie quarterbacks. Uh, ugh, oh gosh, <laughs> I had to put a tough one in there that was going to be difficult. That could go either way. I, I I'm gonna go with Buffalo on the road. Um, EJ Manuel wins the duel between the rookie quarterbacks. I really have I have I don't have facts to back this up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wills. Who do you have winning this game? I, I mean, both defenses are, are good. Uh, Mario Williams woke up. Uh, I just think Buffalo's going to win. They got more offense. And, and I think the quarterback that is a little farther along, I just think they got more weapons. Uh, to attack with, um, and uh, I think that's going to be a difference, is that EJ is better, and he got more weapons. He got more weapons. <laughs> that's going to be a drop. <laughs> he got more weapons. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. That's, that's droppable right there. All right, so you got Buffalo, PhD. Who you got, Buffalo? Or the New York Jets. I'm going with the going with Buffalo. All right. So we all in with the Bills. I like the white helmets with the Bills. I must say that. I like that they went back to the white helmet. The white with the blue yep. jersey looks real nice. It looks real nice. It's a nice uniform set right there. Now this week in our last game, NFL game, then we'll hit our college games and we'll keep it moving. Uh we got 
New York Giants at Carolina. Uh, who's first on this one? Uh, D. Wills, you're first up on this game. Who you got? I got Cam Rogers again. Uh, I think mm. these are both ugly teams. You know, Carolina's lost two close games, and I think they get it right. I had a chance to hear Rivera uh, on the air. It's um, kind of follow-up in. I think they get it right. I just think they got more going for them than the Giants. The Giants have too many question marks, and it's not a season for the Giants until they go 0 for 3. All right. And I'll wait. I'll wait till. Okay. All right. Uh, PhD, who you got in this one? Carolina. Uh, Carolina. I'm taking the Giants. Uh, going against the grain, Giants pick. Again, I, I can't see him going on three, man. I just can't. That's two veteran of the squad. Um, I don't know, man. E, Gomer, 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 Gomer going to come through, man. Gomer's going to come through. But what right. about Brandon Those Jacobs? Are... I mean, what a, what about Brandon Jacobs getting seven or ten carries? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is, that is, yeah, man. When you bring guys off the street, man, and, and, and playing them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're bringing a guy off the street to put him on your practice squad. You playing him? You know, we're not talking about practice. We're talking about the game. That's right. <laughs> this is a situation where we're not talking about practice. Um, so our college game this week, we got Clemson going to North Carolina State on the road. Clemson, I think they're ranked number three in the uh, AP poll. Uh, PAZ, this is you. You're up first. Who you got this week? And the Clemson, Clemson State, man. I'm taking Clemson. I'm a believer of Taj Boyd. Yeah, that ball can ball. That boy can ball. Yeah. All right, so you got Clemson. I also have Clemson. D. Will, who you got? Uh, yeah, I think Dave Doran will do it at some point, but not today. Uh, it's going to be Clemson. Okay, okay. Now, one thing about Clemson, man, how you got a coach named Dabo Sweeney and he's not black? <laughs> oh, man. Your coach named Dabo? Not even just Dabo. Not like Dabo, you know, Kaczynski. It's Dabo Swiss. That ain't a southern black dude with a guitar, man. I don't know what it is, man. That's not like a southern blues, man. Uh, oh, yeah. I told black you that, Republican, Russell, right that for president. Yeah, he's like, he's like right. old guy, pizza. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, our second college football game. We have Michigan State at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's ranked number 22. They're going to be at home in the shadow of touchdown. Jesus, uh, I'm picking this one first. I got Notre Dame. The Gold Domers pull it out. D. Wills, who you got? Yeah, I got, uh, I got Notre Dame winning this one. Close one. All right. PhD. You know, I'm tempted to go with Sparty because uh, Sparty always plays Notre Dame tough, man. But uh, but I'm going to take Notre, Notre Dame at home. All right. Okay. So that that's our pick em. That's the RSG pick em for the week. We'll see how we do next week. I, I got it written down, fellas. I got the notebook out. I'm going to set it right here on the desk next to the computer, and we're going to revisit that next week. And, and, and you know, hopefully I go six and zero again. 
Let's pay some bills real quick. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upstate technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. It's all good, baby, baby. All right. Had to drop that in there real quick. Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Fellas, PhD, who's your dog of the week? I'm gonna go with uh, Johnny Football, man. I uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough to do it, but watching that game, I mean, he's a real deal, man. He's a real deal, and I think his game translates to the NFL. Um, I'm gonna go with Johnny Football. Yeah, I, I got you know I got opinions on that, man. I got to take on that, but that's your dog of the week, man. You can uh, we can we can revisit that at another time. We can always talk, man. Jail. Uh He's going to do something idiotic you know, once the season's over. So we can always get into that. Uh, D-Wills. We need more dogs. I'm going with the 21st century bank robber in the best of the fight game, Floyd Mayweather. Keep stealing that money, Floyd. They don't keep messing with you. Keep stealing that money. Keep putting them up. You keep knocking them down. Just send a brother a check. All right. Uh, my dog of the week, LeBron James, got married. Hats off to LeBron joining the ranks of the Wed. Uh Big step, you know, got a ring, put a ring on it. It all works out, I guess. So hats off to LeBron. I'm going to say. I'm going to start the cover. I guess. I guess. <laughs> that's, worse my, that's worse than my marriage. Hey. That's part of the regular season. But it's your dog. Hey, you know how these things work, man. Next thing you know, she's going to be on the next season. of She's going to be leading the next season of basketball wise. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, you know ain't none of them basketball wise married, man. You know ain't none of them married. Dwayne Wade was with his sweetheart, too, man. <laughs> So you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RNC, Renegade Radio. We are signing off till next week. Check it in, same time, same place, Blog Talk Radio, Tuesday, 8.30 to 10. See you then. Until then, be blessed, be well, take care, and peace.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.